0: Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life full of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Hey folks, this is Kirby Ingles and I just wanted to share the bail bag with you this week. It's a new little addition that we're going to add to the show where people actually write in or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Kirby dash Ingles and you'll see a button on the page where you can actually record a message and we'll feature your voice and your question on the show or you can email me at kirby at kirbyingles.com with your question And I'll go ahead and answer those questions. So without further ado, let's dive in. And the first question is, is that what experiences helped you see your gifts more clearly? And I'll be honest with you, that has got to be being out in the wilderness. Even since I was a little kid, I was fascinated with being outdoors, whether it be riding my bike, hanging out at the lake, running through the woods there was this connection with the wilderness and I loved going on hikes. I love boy scouts. Uh, I, I just love being on the lake. I mean, there was just, I could be gone for hours. I loved to hunt and fish and being out there allowed me to connect in such a way that helped me get some clarity and reflection. And it wasn't until probably a little after 2008 I, uh, i have been always been able to be a runner, but I'd actually had a back injury and I wanted to get better. And I wanted to prove to the doctors that surgery wasn't an option and that I could still recover from this injury. I had two herniated discs in my neck. And so what I ended up doing was I started a bucket list at that point in time, because it was some of the things that the doctor had said to me kind of scared the garbage out of me. So I started that bucket list and I started attacking it right away within that first weekend. And the first thing I did was I ran a 10K because I always wanted to run a marathon. And I'm like, well, I got to start somewhere. And I couldn't find on the internet any 5Ks that weekend. So I'm like, forget it. I'll just do a 10K. And it was only six miles, right? And I've ran four before. I've been in the army for 12, 13 years at that point. And it's like, it's not like I haven't ran four miles before. So it's what's two more. So that's what I did. And then eventually I did very, very well and I actually was getting a lot better. And then I ended up finding this trail group called the trail nerds. And long story short, I ended up hanging out with those guys for quite a while and and they ran trails and I was out in the wilderness. And that's where I really started learning my gifts of uh, purpose, understanding what success was and just getting clarity and having that vision. And being a pioneer in itself, really just unpacking who I was. And that's how I realized my gifts. And that's where it was really determined was when I was in the wilderness and I was doing something that I was passionate about and that I loved and I enjoyed and I was good at and running wasn't the strength that I'm talking about, but what it was is, is gaining clarity. Making sure that you find yourself in a place where you can actually get clarity. You can reconnect with who you are. And then you'll be able to understand your gifts, your strengths, your talents a lot better. You're just not going to see them through discovery. You're going to see them through clarity. And that's why I find mine in the wilderness is because I'm able to connect and get very clear, very quiet, and reconnect with who I am internally. I'll tell you what, though, this next question is a pretty important question because I've, it's not many people ask this question, but it's very important and it ties into something that I teach and I work with people on. And the question is, is, whom do you tell yourself that you are on a daily basis? That's really important because for a long time there, I constantly told myself not who I was, but. I probably believed it. I just didn't really say it, but I i just didn't think I was good enough. I just didn't think I had what it took. And that was in my mind all the time. You see, we live in this world where we're constantly, or people are constantly trying to fight for space inside of our head. It's very crowded out there, and it's very crowded inside of our minds right now. Not only do you have marketing companies, you have TV, you have radio, you have podcasts, you have your iPhone, which is in front of you, your social media, you have friends, family, work, coworkers, alumni. I mean, you name it. There are people out there every day vying for your attention. And then we don't only share it either. We see it. You know, you got billboards, you got advertisements, it's everywhere. Everybody is competing to get inside of your head. And so who do you tell yourself who you are? Because sometimes you know, that's, that's pretty hard because our headspace is very crowded. And it's sometimes we don't even think for ourselves, right? We don't even think for our own selves. We're just going through the motions. And for a long, long time, that was me. I was going through the motions. I was just accepting what society gave me. And it wasn't Until after my divorce in 2008. And I mentioned that earlier about the trail running. And I got very, very clear. And I found my purpose, the meaning of my life, and all kinds of things. And I realized that I did have what it takes. And uh, I am good enough. And I constantly told myself that. I told myself that I was a competitor. That I was resilient. And that I would do amazing things in my life. And it wasn't so much about who I was. But what I was capable of doing, because you no, know, I'm not going to be the very best out there. I can try to be the very best, but there's probably somebody out there that's better than me right now at something. And maybe I'm better at something than somebody else. But that's not the point. I'm not here to compete against other people. The point is, is that I believe that I can get 1% better every single day, that I can move that needle to the right. So what I tell myself every day is that I'm going to make an effort and I'm going to give a valent and my best effort every single day and I'm going to expend all my energy trying to be better every single day. Now, I'll tell you, my wife will tell you, As soon as my head hits that pillow, I am out, lights out, because I give it 100% every single day. I drain the tank, and sometimes she has to wake me up, because as soon as I sit down and rest for a second, I'm out like a light, because I pour everything that I have into everything that I do. Uh, maybe that, you know, comes a little bit from growing up being fatherless and always wanting to be competitive and having to feel like that I have to compete against other people. But I also like to believe that, and what I just said was a trait of fatherless men, you know, and I grew up not knowing who my father was. And, you know, there's that story that's out there. And if you haven't heard of it, just ask me and I'll, we'll talk about that on the show. But, It's, it's really, you know, it's, I think it's about a work ethic because I grew up on a farm and I worked on farms in my older years. And I started working for commercial restaurants and stuff when I was 14. And, uh, I just seemed to, my family just seemed to instill this work ethic inside of me. And I had to work hard for everything that we got. I watched my parents do it and we didn't have much growing up. I watched my grandparents do it. and no matter how little they had, they always seemed to be happy because they were satisfied with the output that they got and about the energy that they expended because they found purpose and meaning in the work that they did. And work wasn't always such a bad thing, but like I said, they found purpose and meaning and that's where I kind of learned that from. Now, I do like this next question that I received not long ago. And it says, can you tell if there are opportunities that are in your path what might really be distractions and what are they and you know i tell you what you know this is one of the things that I teach and I help my members of my coaching programs understand is that once you have a really 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 good mission statement right and you have a solid not even a solid, just a clear vision of where you want to be at, where you want to go, what your destination in life is. And you have that solid mission. Your mission is like, I'll, I'll relay it to you in a couple different ways. A mission statement is like your left and right limit. So if you've ever been in the military, and if you haven't, just bear with me. I'm going to give you another example. Is that you have these sectors of fire, which is your left and right limits, right? And you don't cross those, those are your sector stakes. And so if you have a solid set of, uh, or you have a solid mission, then you know what your left and right limits are. And everything that falls within your left and right limits is yours for the taking. And so, uh, another way to look at this is, is that you ever been to the bowling alley and there's gutters, and if you throw the ball too far to the left or too far to the right, it ends up in the gutters. Well, a good mission statement will allow you to see the, the, the pins ahead of you very clearly in the path that's ahead of you. And anything that falls to the left or to the right is going to end up in the gutter. And those aren't the things you want to do. So a mission statement will tell you an easy yes or a hard no. And that's what a good mission statement is. And that's how you can see that opportunities sometimes are distractions because people are going to throw things at you in life. That's just not going to necessarily align with you. For example, I get a lot of requests on Facebook to join people's groups and I don't always join people's groups and I'm honest with them. I tell them, I'm like, you look, man, I, I, I just can't, I just can't be in a hundred thousand groups. Everybody's got a Facebook group. But if I draw my attention to 100 different places, right, I have no attention. If I focus on just four or five, then guess what? I can add a ton of value and have laser-focused attention. But if I'm focused on 100, I can't add much value. So that's that's what I'm trying to tell you here is, is just just establish a good mission statement, and you'll know what opportunities are good for you, and you'll know what opportunities are distractions. Now, this next question I picked up was a a favorite of mine, uh, and it relates to values. And what it it asks is, is that what are your internal anchors? And so for me, internal anchors are values. Again, I'll go back to this a little bit more is that I do this in my coaching programs. It's one of the very first things we do is we do an exercise on determining what your values are. And I think that once you determine what your values are, then you're anchored in really who you are. And that's a lot about getting your clarity and understanding what you want in life and where you want to go. Now, your values are things that keep you up at night or the things that piss you off. No, your values are sometimes what we call icebergs. So if you ever remember the story of the Titanic, right? The iceberg, or you even know an iceberg. We didn't have to go with the Titanic, but just just an iceberg in general. You know that on the surface, it doesn't look that big. But what's underneath the water is larger than you can imagine. And it's really an unknown. And then once you get to know your values, once you know the things that set you off that you're passionate about, that you're on fire for, you know, whether it be loyalty, trustworthiness, honor, uh, integrity, faith, religion, whatever it is, right? You have about three to five different values that show up in your life every single day. And you just got to do an inventory of those. And like I said, there, you know, in my coaching programs, we have a inventory of how to do those. You can also find uh different uh, posts on my blog that talk about that, so just go visit www.kirbyingles.com and check out some of those posts. This next question kind of touches on something that uh, I mentioned earlier, and it's how do you replenish your energy reserves and how often do you do that? I'll tell you that uh, my energy reserves are replenished whenever I take time out to spend with my family. Um, I'm constantly... F- Focused on 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 this business and the work that I do, and uh, it seems nonstop and always going, and that can drain you. But the times that I do take time out and I schedule for my family, uh, and you'll hear me quite often talk about understanding that your your what your big rocks are in life, and family is one of those big rocks for me. So that's one of the first things I get scheduled and prioritized. So I get excited like when I have things scheduled during the week with my family. And we're leading up to that, like Valentine's Day or Super Bowl Sunday, where we're going to get together as a family and do something special together. That's that's that that really motivates me, um, and that helps give me energy because then I know I got to get all these things done so that I can have that time out and I can spend with my family. Uh, a couple other things that really helps me replenish my energy is I try to take a nap during the day. A good 30-minute nap it always helps me get more focused and more energy later on in the afternoon. And then the other thing is, is running. I love to run. And every time I go running, I feel so much better afterwards. And so it doesn't matter. I'm not one of those people that says you have to get up and go exercise first thing in the morning. It's a great thing to do. It's a good habit to get into. But there's times where I'll go run in the late morning. I'll go run in the early afternoon. I'll go run at night that's how i replenish my energy. uh and a lot of that is scientifically based too because we we know we have endorphins and endorphins make us happy and you know that gives us energy and some very broad stroke answer on that but there's different things that you can find that give you energy, different activities. Sometimes you just got to take a time out and do the things that you enjoy. What are you passionate about? Use your passion sometimes as rewards. That's a great way to build energy back up. Now, energy is a little bit different than willpower. So a lot of times I've spoken with some of these managers and directors and VPs and Fortune 500 companies, and we talk about health and nutrition and exercise, and it's usually the first thing that goes out the window, uh, as well as sleep. And so all those are the, the, the physical aspects of energy that we need to focus on so that we do have energy banks. And a lot of them understand that. But they sometimes they just don't connect with the fact that it shifts your mood. It affects your work performance. And the healthier and the more alert and the more active you are, the better off your performance is going to be. Not only mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all those things, right? You're going to be much better. Focus on replenishing that energy. Find those activities that reawaken and ignite that fire inside of you. This is a pretty cool question that I got once. And it says, how often and what do you celebrate? And then do you just celebrate the big things or do you also celebrate the small things? And what was the last thing that you celebrated? So to answer that question, how often do you celebrate? Well, I think that really just depends on you, right? I mean, you you have to celebrate often and enough that it doesn't seem like you never win. So, and I'm not saying you do you do premature or any type of, you know, fake celebratory things, but I think when you establish some very clear goals, you have a vision and that you have established these progressive goals that we actually use in my coaching programs. And then we break those down into, uh, objectives or, or key results is what we do. And when you do that, right, when you achieve one of those, uh, we, we do celebrate those. Um, and you can, you can celebrate those in a lot of different ways, you know, whether it be, you know, maybe you met your annual goal, right. And you made an additional 30 K that year, say that was your goal for your business, or, you know, you wanted a promotion and you got a 30 K bonus or a raise or whatever it is that you got. And that's, you take your family to Disney world. That's a big celebration, right? Maybe it's a steak dinner. Maybe, maybe, you know, you work hard all week long and you had to work extra hours and your marketing team is trying to, uh, you know, increase your, uh, lead generation. I don't know, by 15% and you achieve that. Maybe you, you take your entire team out and have dinner one night. Uh, Once you achieve that, those are celebrations. And I think that you celebrate them long enough to keep everybody motivated and going. So it's really a give or take. And you really have to measure what's effective and what's not. Because if you're celebrating every night, that's probably not going to be very beneficial down the road. Uh, Once a week, maybe if you meet weekly goals, you know, maybe you go share that with somebody. Sometimes celebrating is just sharing your joy with other people. So there's different ways to do that. And let me look here at the question and make sure I answered it completely because it said, oh, do you only celebrate the big things? And what are some of the small things you celebrate? And I, I kind of answered that already. You know, the big things I would celebrate would be quarterly goals, uh, annual goals. And then some of the smaller things would be, you know, achieving like a key result or, Maybe we had a weekly target and I would celebrate that not only by sharing my joy with somebody, but maybe, maybe I get to leave, you know, work an hour or two early and take my kids out for ice cream, you know, something like that. And I think that, that, that's sufficient. And you should find something that you enjoy to do in order to celebrate. And and not only that, but share it with the people that helped you get there. So, if if you have a team again, you know, like a marketing team or um, another type of team, I think you should share that with people. I work with a lot of people in Fortune five hundred companies that have remote teams, and it gets very very tricky to share and celebrate wins, and so they have to kind of get on a call together. Um, one of the ways that uh, I've seen people that work with uh, remote teams is that they saw, sent them a little uh, token of their appreciation, a small gift. And they it was, it was gift wrap, and they all basically, it was on a Zoom call together, and they opened it up, and they had a conversation and said a few uh, items of gratitude towards this team. And then, you know, that was it. I mean, and then they talked about what they could do or how they could take it to the next level the next time. In, you know, what they did right and what didn't go so well. And so those are just some of the ideas or ways that you could do that. And so when was the last time that I celebrated anything? I'll tell you, I was actually this week because we had a pretty good week. And uh, this week we celebrated some some coaching wins, some sales wins this week. So I will tell you this last week, we probably did just as much in sales as we did the previous quarter. So that was huge for us this week. That that was that was amazing. So Valentine's Day was very special this week and so I turned it that celebration into a Valentine's Day thing for my family because you know they're they're my biggest supporters. They're the biggest contributors to my lives. So I wanted to share that with them. So Again, uh, my name is Kirby Ingalls. I'm a leadership and transformation coach, a father of five, and a U.S. Army veteran. And today we just went over a few questions in the mailbag. And I look forward to hearing your questions. And don't forget to go to anchor.fm forward slash Kirby dash And then you can either voice record or send me a message and e- or even email me at Kirby at Kirby And until next time, I'll see you soon. That's it for today's episode, but before you go, I want to offer you the complete guide to personal growth. This free 14 page ebook guides you through the essential components necessary to revolutionize the way you live that exceeds expectations and achieves goals. You'll learn how to develop powerful morning rituals. I share with you five apps that get you amazing results, find meaning and purpose in your life. And three additional ways to stay positive throughout the day. And then some tips on how to overcome procrastination and even more. So don't wait. Secure your copy today and begin revolutionizing the way you live. You can grab that free guide by going to bit.ly forward slash personal dash growth dash guide. That's bit.ly forward slash personal-growth-guide i'll leave a link in the show notes so you can access it and i hope that you got tons of value out of today's broadcast and i'll see you next time